Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3, if you will. Proverbs chapter 3. I won't tell you the verse till you get there because if I tell you the verse, you won't even look at it. You'll say, I already know that verse. <laughs> but we'll read just verse 5 as our text, and then we're going to look at several verses that follow it in just a moment. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Only a full trust will prevent a flawed trust. Only a full faith can pre prevent a flawed faith. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Now it's interesting, many of God's commands are kind of a couplet and this is one of those kinds of commands that has really a couplet to it. Often when God speaks, he tells us what to do and what not to do. And that's the case in Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all in heart. That's what you need to do. Here's what you don't need to do. Lean unto your own understanding. In other words, there's two sides to that. There's a positive, trust in the Lord. There's a negative, don't lean to your own understanding. Most of you have heard of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. It's located in Italy. And uh, the Leaning Tower of Pisa is a freestanding bell tower of the Pisa Cathedral there in Italy. The height of the Leaning Tower of Pisa is 183 feet 3 inches on the low side. It's 185 feet 11 inches on the high side a distance of two feet, eight inches because of the lean. If you climb to the seventh story of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, if you climb the stairs on the low side, there are 294 steps to the top. If you climb it on the high side, there are 296 steps. <laughs> and since steps are more than are usually about eight inches, some of those steps may be pretty high to make up the two feet, eight inches. The tower began to lean during construction way back in the 12th century due to soft ground. Now, by 1990, the tilt of the Leaning Tower of Pisa was 5.5 degrees. So, some stabilizing work was done in 1993 and again in 2001, and it reduced that lean from 5.5 degrees to 3.97 degrees. Now, why is it that we as God's people tend to lean to our own understanding? I mean, we go into a new year, and this year your pastors revealed a, a theme of faith, you know, uh, uh, trusting God, putting your faith completely in Him, uh, looking to Him for the future. And it all sounds good and it sounds exciting. And yes, we know that's what the Bible commands us to do, to walk by faith and not by sight. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. We know all that. 
But as the year begins to go along, we find ourselves leaning, don't we? We find ourselves leaning to our own understanding. Now, usually, like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, that lean is a result of a soft ground foundation. And the correction of the lean is not going to be through some change of circumstance. Sometimes we think, well, you know, if politically it was better, I wouldn't lean as much. Or if I had a better job, I wouldn't lean to my own understanding quite as much. Or if I had good health, I, I wouldn't be leaning to my own understanding. And we think, well, if God would just make my road a little clearer, or if my road was a little easier, I wouldn't be as prone to leaning. But the truth is, our lean is not corrected by better circumstances or different situations around us. Rather, we must look at the foundation of our life, of our trust in Him. Now, sometimes we don't even realize that we're leaning. Sometimes we're going through life, and, and, and because we're going to church, and because we read the Bible, and because we profess to be a Christian, we don't always notice the lean in our life. And so tonight, in Proverbs chapter 3, God shows us five critical areas in this chapter where we are likely to lean in the coming year. Rather than walking by faith, rather than pleasing God with faith, we are likely to lean to our own understanding. And it's important tonight that we shore up the foundation, that we shore up the soft ground beneath us and make sure that we're trusting Him, that we're putting our faith completely in Him. So let's look at these five critical areas where it's possible for us to lean to our own understanding. First of all, we lean in our decisions. Look at verse 6. He says, In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. In our ways. Ways, paths, would indicate a direction, right? And we make decisions with respect to a, a direction or a path that we take. And oftentimes, when it comes to a decision in our life, whether a large decision like maybe changing jobs or, or moving across the country or something like that, to little decisions on a daily basis, oftentimes, when it's time to make a decision, we lean to our own understanding. We, we make the decision based on maybe common sense. We, we make the decision based on maybe what seems logical at the moment. We make decisions based maybe on the pressure of those around us. We might call it peer pressure, what everybody else is doing. Sometimes we make our decisions based on our own experience. We say, well, I've, I've been here before and I, I know what to do. I, I, I'll just do what I've always done. We lean on our understanding of our experience. Sometimes we make decisions based on the supposed good result that we think will come as a result of that decision. We might make decisions out of mere convenience or comfort to, comfort to us, or perhaps what we view as most likely to be a success. But God says, in all thy ways, in all thy decisions, acknowledge him. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way 
which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. God says in the next verse in Psalm 32 and verse 9, Be ye not as the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in by bit and bridle. You know, oftentimes we, we get kind of careless in our decisions. And, and, and it's almost like we're a, we're a horse without a bridle. And, and, we, and, and we need to be corrected at that point because we're going the wrong way. So often in our lives, we find ourselves living with an unbridled tongue. We live with unbridled thoughts. We live with an unbridled lust or an unbridled appetite. Or we have an unbridled anger or anxiety or jealousy or pride. And it's unbridled because we're not acknowledging Him in all of our decisions. Rather, we're making those decisions based on our understanding. What decisions are you making tonight without acknowledging the Lord? I do a fair amount of counseling there at the college, and, and even as I, I travel sometimes, I, I end up you know, in some counseling situations. And uh, it's amazing how many times you will encounter a situation kind of one-on-one, and you might say to the person, well, what have you done so far? In other words, they find themselves in a dilemma. They find themselves at a crossroads, perhaps. Uh, maybe there's some problem or difficulty in their life, and they come in and they want some counsel. And you might say, well, okay, uh, kind of map it out for me. Explain what's happening. Tell me what's going on. And they do. And then you say, well, what have you done so far? And oftentimes people say, I've prayed about it. And, well, I, I, I prayed about it. And, in other words, okay, you prayed about it. What did God tell you to do? Well, I didn't bother to listen, <laughs> right? In other words, we know as a Christian, before we make a decision, we should pray about it. But oftentimes we pray about it without without a desire, really, for God to tell us anything. When we pray about it, what does God tell us to do? Well, he didn't tell me anything. Well, if he didn't tell you anything, then it would probably be kind of dumb to do anything, right? See, oftentimes we think, I know what I want to do. I know the decision I want to make. I, I'm convinced this is the right way. And then we kind of put the, well, I'll pray about it over the top of it so that we make sure that we're spiritual, but we don't listen to what God has to say to us. And God says, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain paths. Did you know God is not going to hide direction from you. He's not going to conceal the way that you should go. He's going to show you a plain path. And until he does, we'd be very unwise to take a step. We need to know what God's will is. We need to walk in that way. This God is our God forever and ever. He will guide us even unto death. So often we lean in our decisions. But secondly, we lean in our dangers. Look at verse 7. He goes on to say, Be not wise in thine own eyes. 
fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Now, we know that the Lord will lead us if we seek that direction, if we seek that counsel from him. He will lead us. He will guide us in the path that he wants us to go. And it'll be a clear path. It'll be a plain path. God will lead us. But we also know the devil's going to try to detour us. The devil doesn't want us to go in that path. The devil doesn't want us to follow God's will for our life. So he's going to bring an alternative. He's going to try to get us to exit that plain path. He's going to try to get us off the road of the will of God. Uh, Jesus put it this way, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I'm come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. So on one hand, God's trying to direct us. God's trying to give us the, the plain path, but the devil is trying to get us off that path. Now, what do we have to do when that danger comes? What do we do when the devil is trying to dissuade us from following the Lord? What do we do when the devil's trying to divert us from God's perfect will in our life? Well, we gotta shore up the foundation of our trust. We gotta shore up that soft ground because the smaller your trust in the Lord, the greater the temptation to sin. See, if your faith is weak, if your trust in the Lord is kind of maybe, well, the devil is going to step up the temptation. He knows you're vulnerable. He knows you're likely to fail. And so the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. How often in times of temptation, in times of danger, in times when the devil's working us over a little bit, do we lean and trust our flesh rather than our father? I was telling the teenagers this morning, Paul said, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are the contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. See, right now, beginning at 23, we're going to trust in the Lord. We're going to put our faith in God. He, he, he is the one that we want to please, and so we're going to walk by faith. But the devil begins to kind of work on us a little bit, and all of a sudden, we lean toward the flesh instead of toward the Father. And sometimes we think, well, I can kind of self-correct if I get into trouble, you know, I'll lean back the other way. But remember, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You see, we, we've got to remember that our trust cannot be in ourselves. Our trust cannot be in us when that danger comes. We've got to have a trust that's in the Lord. Years ago, I was preaching in a church where they had a, a university close by, and, and every night we would have college students from that university come over to the meetings, and the pastor would work very hard to establish some Bible studies with these college students and would have them over to his home a lot, and he had a parsonage right there on the campus of the church, and, and so a lot of them would come, and they would bring visitors, and one night a young man stepped into that meeting, and uh, I gave the invitation to the close of the service, and he came forward. When he got to the front, he, he said to the pastor, I want to talk to him. He pointed to me. Well, the pastor, he let me know, and I went down, and I sat on the front row with this young man. 
And he immediately, I, I, I introduced myself and I said, how can I help you? And he said, I'm, I'm in trouble. He said, I have, I, I'm involved in a lot of wicked sin. And uh, he began to talk about some moral sins that he was involved in. And they were wicked. And he said, God doesn't love me. I'm sure God hates me, he said. In fact, God ought to just put me in hell right now. I'm a wicked person. Well, boy, I realize this, this man understands he's got a sin problem, right? He's recognizing the fact that he's a sinner. And the sins that he had done were very wicked. And he, he was morally a wreck. But I was glad I could take him to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and show him verses 9 through 11. And Paul there in that passage talks about some of the moral sins. And then he says in verse 11 to those, those people in the church at Corinth, he said, such were some of you. But you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so there were Corinthians there in that church that had been involved in wicked, wicked things, but God had saved them. And I went through the plan of salvation with that young man, and he trusted Christ. Well, <clears throat> after the service, he said, Brother Getsch, pastor was there as well, and pastor's name was Pastor Johnson, and he said, he said, Pastor, Brother Getsch, I, I, I'm about to walk back over there to the university. He said, I live in the dorm where this, this kind of immoral sin goes on all the time. And he said, what am I going to do? He said, I know as soon as I walk on that campus, I'm going to be tempted to be drawn right back into it. But he said, I'm a Christian now. And, but he said, I, I don't think I'm strong enough to, to resist that temptation. What do I do? Well, I said, I said to him, there's only one way that you can beat those temptations. You can't do it in yourself. You can't lean to your own understanding here. You, you can't say, well, I'm just not going to do it. Or I'm going to lock the door and just hole up. I mean, you're going to have to come out sooner or later to go eat or go to class. I said, here's what you got to have. You got to have the sword of the Spirit. You got to have the Word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. He said, well, what do you mean the Bible in my heart? I said, you've got to memorize God's Word. You've got to memorize some verses that you can use against the temptation when it comes. He said, where are those verses? Well, we sat down and made him a list. I made him a list of 40 verses. And I said, now, now just start memorizing these one, at a, these one at a time. Just start putting them in your heart. Even if you get just a, a portion of the verse, you can, when, the, when the devil tempts, when the temptation comes, you just fire that verse. You, you, you submit to the Lord. You resist the devil through the sword of the Spirit. Well, he went, he went off. He came back the next night. He had already memorized 20 of those verses. Now, he didn't go to sleep all night. <laughs> and he said, Brother Gatch, I couldn't go to sleep. Outside my door, it was going on. And they were trying to lure me into it. But he said, I just knelt by my bed, and I prayed, and I, I, I asked God to help me, and I, I memorized Scripture. And he said, I made it through the night. Didn't sleep, but I made it through the night without giving in. I thought, that's wonderful. Well, as the meetings went on, he committed more and more of the Word of God to his mind, and the pastor asked me if I would keep in contact with him and write him some letters or call him once in a while and encourage him, and so I did, and we kind of worked in tandem, the pastor and I, to try to just help this young man to get victory in his life, and he did. He got wonderful victory. About six months later, 
he called me, and he always seemed to call me in the middle of the night. I, it's typical of college students, I think. But he, he called me very late in the night, and, and I could tell from the, the, the urgency of his voice that something had happened. And he was frantic, and he was upset, and he was just kind of stressed out, we would say. You could see, sense it in his voice. And, and I'm thinking as he starts talking, I'm thinking, oh, he's failed, he's, he's slipped, you know, and I'm trying to prepare myself to try to help him as a just man to rise up again. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking in that direction. And finally, I said, I said, what is going on? What's the problem? And he said, Brother Gedge, he said, you know, when I got saved, he said, I was only smoking one pack of cigarettes a day. And he said, but now, he said, I have gotten this victory over all these moral things in my life, and I've, I've come clean with God, but he said, I'm so afraid I'm going to fail. I'm so afraid I'm going to give in to the temptation here in the dorm and different places. And he said, it just, it worries me because I don't want to, I don't want to disappoint the Lord. I, I don't want to fail. I don't want to fall down. I want, I don't want to backslide and go back. He said, and I'm, I'm so stressed out about it. He said, I am smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. He said, I'm killing myself, worrying and stressing about displeasing the Lord. I'm trying not to laugh, right? On the other end of the phone, I'm thinking, what in the world? And finally, I said, I called him my name. I said, um, how did you conquer all those moral temptations in your life? There was this long pause. And all of a sudden, he said, Oh, thanks. And he hung up. <laughs> you know what clicked in his mind? The Word of God. And he went to work memorizing some scriptures to help him conquer the sin of smoking. You know, isn't it amazing how he, that's an illustration of how we can lean to our understanding? He didn't know what to do about smoking. God had delivered him from all these moral things but he forgot to make the same application when it came to smoking. And God says, hey, look, when you come to these dangers in your life, when you come to these temptations in your life, and Satan is working overtime on your life, you've got to trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. You've got to go to the Word of God, shore up that, that foundation of your trust in Him, your faith in Him. So we lean in our decisions. We lean in our dangers. Then notice thirdly, we lean in our dependence. Look at verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all that increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Now here's an area where sometimes we want to hang on to something. We're fine trusting the Lord, putting our faith in God when it comes to maybe our faithfulness to church or raising our families or perhaps reading our Bible or making some good decisions for the future. But when it comes to our material things, when it comes to our substance, as the Bible calls it here, eh, Lord, I'll handle that, <laughs> right? I'll, I'll take care of the finances, Lord. You, you help me in all these other areas, but this is an area I need to have some control. I, I need to stay kind of in charge here. Here's where we often want 
control over our life. But we have to remember, what hast thou that thou dost not receive? Now, if thou dost receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? And we've got to remember, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Everything we have materially, everything we have in substance is a gift from God. A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. So we have to understand that we're just a steward of these material things that God has given us. And in the first place, God doesn't ask us for our money or our substance. He asks for our heart. My son, give me thine heart. And unless we're willing to give him our heart, unless we're willing in all our ways to acknowledge him, unless our faith is completely in him, you see, then nothing else is really going to follow that. He put it kind of in reverse in, in the New Testament where he said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And he could have said it the other way. Whoever has your heart is going to have your treasure. Wherever your treasure is, whatever, whatever you're living for when it comes to the material things reveals what's in your heart. And what's ever in your heart is going to determine how you view material things. And so oftentimes when it comes to these material things, when it comes to our money, when it comes to those things that we, we earn, we want to stay in charge. Now, let's be reminded, God, God doesn't need our money. I love Psalm 50, verse 12. God says, if I were hungry, I would not tell thee. I don't know if God gets hungry. I know we're going to eat in heaven, but I'm not sure God eats. But he says, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. For all the world is mine and the fullness thereof. If God, if God needs a hamburger tonight, he's, going to, he's not going to come to you and say, hey, could you buy me something to eat? God owns it all, right? He's not going to tell me or us. So if he doesn't have our trust in this area, he really doesn't have all our heart. You know, we need to prove God in this area of our substance. We need to prove God in this area of our dependence physically. What does he say in Malachi 3? Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. God says, trust me on this one. Now, this is a hard one because we got to pay bills. We got to buy food. We got to put gas in our vehicle. And so we want to say, well, God, okay, I, 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 I'll give you a little bit, but I got I to keep this for, you know, all that stuff. And God says, no, you honor me and watch me prove myself to you. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give in your bosom for the same measure that you meet with all shall be measured unto you again. I, I love 2 Corinthians 9 where God says, let every one of us, uh, as we purpose in our hearts, so give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And here, here's the promise. And God is may able to make all grace abound toward you, so that you have all sufficiency of all things, may abound unto every good work. Look, God, God's not going to let you starve. 
God's not going to get to the end of the month and say, oh, what are we going to do now? No, God says, trust me, prove me. But so often when it comes to the material things, when it comes to that checkbook, when it comes to that, that substance, we want to lean to our own understanding. We get out the calculator, we get out paper and pencil, and we say, this doesn't work. If I tithe, I don't have money for gas. I don't have money for food. I don't have money uh, uh, for all my hobbies. <laughs> you know, and, and we try to figure it out, and it doesn't work on paper. And so we say, Lord, you'll have to back away on this one. I, I need to manage this. I need to lean to my own understanding. And God says, no, no, in all thy ways, your dependence. But then we tend to lean in our discipline. Look at verse 11. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son, in whom he delighteth. God doesn't correct us because he hates us. God corrects us because he loves us. Now, if Brother Yap or Brother Kim, if they, if they were to discipline one of their children tonight, maybe for acting up in church or, or something like that, they would discipline their children in some way, and the children wouldn't like it. They would think, Dad, you're mean, <laughs> you know. They, they would think, Daddy, why are you, why are you disciplining me? Why, 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 why are you so hard on me? We don't always understand it. And sometimes when the discipline comes, we start leaning to our understanding. And we say, well, God must hate me. I mean, he's chastening me. He, he's bringing these things into my life. He, he must hate me. Uh, he must not want to use me. And, and we go into a kind of a pity party and we begin to pout and we get angry and we say, well, that's, that's it. I'm not going to church anymore. Or I'm not going to read the Bible if that's the way it is. Listen, when God chastens us, it's because he loves us. In fact, he says in Psalm 94, blessed is the man whom thou chasteneth, O Lord, and, and teachest him out of thy law. That's a blessed man. Why do we get upset when God disciplines us for going the wrong way? Why do we get upset when God tries to correct us? It's because he loves us. We pout, we get bitter, we quit on God. God says, you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? So when the spanking comes from God, have you ever been spanked by God? Sure. When we get out of line, God's going to discipline. God's going to do something to try to correct us. And in those moments, we can't lean to our own understanding. We can't say, well, this isn't fair. Why do I suffer? Now, nobody else seems to be suffering, you know. And we get upset, and we, we begin to pout, and we quit on God because we're leaning to our own understanding. We lean in our decisions. We lean in our dangers. We, live in our de we, we lean in our dependence. We lean in discipline, but finally, we lean in our diet. Verse 13, happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. 
For the merchandise of it, wisdom, is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She, wisdom, is more precious than rubies, and all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retaineth her. Isn't it interesting how we feast on the junk food of social media and the junk food of entertainment and the junk food of self-care experts and the junk food of business gurus and wealth experts and scientific research? I mean, we gorge ourselves on the buffets of the experts and the elite and the entertainers and the economists and the ecclesiastical and the educated and the establishment and the experienced and the emotional and the extremists. And then we snub our nose at the sincere milk of the word and the strong meat of the word. And we say, oh, that's old fashioned. Oh, that's, that's old school. That's just not relevant to my problems. That's, that's old hat. That doesn't work anymore. Well, God says, happy is the man that findeth wisdom. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make the way prosperous. Then thou shalt have good success. Boy, we look around and there's so many places to go eat. And we can get information from all kinds of sources today. But God says, here's, here's the ticket to success. Why are you leaning to all these things? Why are you leaning to all this information? You're leaning for advice in all these different directions. When I've given you the milk to grow thereby and the meat to discern both good and evil. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The co commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them, there's great reward. You see, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Doctrine is what's right. Reproof is what's wrong. Correction is how to get right. So when we begin to lean, that word correction means to make straight again. How? By shoring up that foundation beneath our building in our trust in God. And He has given us His Word in which we can build the foundation of our life around. Are you leaning tonight? Perhaps at the beginning of this year, boy, I just need to have faith in God. Faith to please God. Yes! That's the direction I want to go. That's the direction I want to live in. But today's January 29th. And you get into this theme, you get into this year, and the devil wants us to lean. 
And that lean becomes greater and greater and greater. And sometimes we don't even notice it until there's a collapse. The Rana Plaza collapse, also referred to as the Dhaka Garment Factory collapse, occurred in April 24th of 2013 in the Dhaka district in Bangladesh. The eight-story building that housed five garment factories took less than 60 seconds to collapse, resulting in the death of 1,134 people and brought severe injury to another 2,500 individuals. The Rana Plaza collapse was caused by structural failure, ranking it as the deadliest structural collapse of modern history. Your theme of faith that pleases God, your theme of putting your faith in God this year is not just a theme. It's just not some words to kind of build some thought about. It is the very foundation that will keep your life from collapse. And maybe 60 seconds at this altar tonight could save you or I from that collapse. God says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. That's the positive command. Then he says, and lean not to your own understanding.